Hello everybody and uh, welcome to another edition of the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. My name is David Lloyd. I've got a bit of a cold at the moment, so apologies if I sound a little bit hoarse and husky. Are you the David Lloyd? I am indeed the David Lloyd, although I must tell you, Chris, I was at the Colston Hall in Bristol recently at a gig, uh, and afterwards this guy came up to me and he came up very hesitantly and he said, excuse me, he said, you are, aren't you? You are, and I said, what, what, what am I? You're James Beddingfield, I who, said. Who's, who's James Beddingfield? Well, exactly, that was my reaction. I thought, I've no idea who this person is. Uh, I said, no, I promise you, I'm not James Beddingfield. He said, you are, you absolutely <laughs> are James Beddingfield. Can I have a selfie with you? So we did the photo and everything, and I said, look, who is James Beddingfield? He said, you're the lead singer of Metallica. <laughs> Oh, what was the gig? Uh, it was the, the Hackney Colliery Band. <laughs> I love you the want... idea that he thought the lead singer of Metallica would be in Bristol watching the Hackney Colliery, Colliery Band. Well, actually, they're quite a funky band, and it could well be the sort of thing he might go to. I don't know. So I'd never heard of this guy. He's clearly world famous, but, <laughs> but not in the Lloyd household. Uh, and I looked him up. And, and I do, it's since I've grown the beard, actually... I do look a bit like him. I think we'll need to tweet you and what's his name, James? James Beddingfield. Beddingfield I next. believe that's his name. Anyway, Tomo's young and down with the kids. Is that right, Tom? Have I got his name right? I haven't got a clue. I don't think Metallica are young. No, David. that's true. And, and that's possibly true. not down with the kids. <laughs> anyway, apparently I look a bit like him. There we go. Well, we'll have to look that up and tweet it later, and, that's uh, right. and we'll, we'll let the public decide. In fact, we were also talking about a previous producer of this show, uh, uh, Ian who's just had a new profile photo done, and astonishingly, he looks exactly like Chuck Norris. <laughs> it's absolutely unbelievable how like Chuck Norris he looks. If anybody wants to check this out, go and uh, do, look up at Ovation Ian, and then look up any picture of Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> or there may be one slightly older, possibly. <laughs> In his prime. In his prime, you reckon. Uh, anyway, uh, enough of that, enough of all of this banter. Uh, <laughs> What are we talking about today, Chris? Okay, so today we're going to hear from a chap called Neil Bage on the subject of financial capability. It basically means how good we are with money. You know, some people say, I'm no good with money and money goes through my fingers, all that kind of stuff. Well, Neil's going to explain a bit about why that could be the case and therefore what we can do about it. Excellent. But before we carry on, David, I have some very exciting news. Oh, excite me, Chris, excite me. I may have sold my canoe. <sighs> pauses for amazement <laughs> you may have someone see somebody who's heard on the podcast what a great bargain this canoe might be i'd love to say one careful case. owner never been used no ne neither of our listeners have called up to tell me that they wanted no it's somebody locally ironically they're just trying to make sure that they've got someone to store it so it may well be it ends up five years in their house and i also wanted to update um, our listeners with um the royalty figures from the book the financial well-being book which this podcast is let's face it trying to flog so it must have we must have done a year yes because i know you were bemoaning in a recent podcast how how it was weird that that you only get a check once a year and exactly. how you have to wait all the time do tell chris well um it's not as exciting as i was <laughs> hoping the sales have been mm. but i think um a little tip for any would-be uh, authors out there you might want to actually bother to look at the royalty rates before you sign a deal because i never really did uh, we signed a check of just about three thousand pounds to penny Braun. oh well that's great which is not bad it's not as much as i was hoping we've sold about four thousand copies of the book so it's been absolutely fantastic mm. success you don't earn a great deal of money out of out of writing that's the honest truth of it oh i do i earn an absolute fortune <laughs> 
you've obviously got. I the should wrong have said write, writing books. I should have said. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, that's really we've we've raised. I'm not sure what the exact figure. Right, seven, seven, eight thousand pounds now in total for Penny Brawn out of all this, and lots of publicity to that wonderful place. Um, if anybody wants to go and have a look and find out what Penny Brawn are all about, it's spelt B R O H N, Penny Brawn. So um, just type that into Google, and you can find out their amazing work of helping people with cancer. Brilliant. So not only are we uh, enlightening you on financial matters, but we're making the world a better place. Exactly. Aren't we great? I know, I know. <laughs> and one final thing, um, I just want to mention the pod last podcast had a song lyric at the end. Regular listeners, those of whom who listen all the way through Julie's words at the very end, will know that there's uh, a song lyric that we read out to, to do with money. And the last one was a bit obscure, but I bet you'll know the record, even if you can't guess the lyric. Don't try to live like a king, yeah, on a poor man's take. That's one reason there are so many people hurting today, Lord. Bet you can't guess it. No, I did listen to it. I was listening to that podcast only yesterday, and I didn't recognise it at all. It is Be What You Are by the Staple Singers, one of my favourite bands. So um, if you're listening to, to the podcast, there's always a lyric at the end. So tweet us if you can guess it. And sometimes we give a free book away. Not always, but sometimes. So back to today, David, we have an exciting new feature. Everything's exciting today. I, I know. Isn't how it? exciting this podcast <laughs> is so far. We've had Chuck Norris, James Beddingfield. And now we have Tight Ass Tomo. Oh. <laughs> would this be Tomo who's sitting our producer right yeah um, now this came about because um, three of us in the office often go out for lunch together Ian, Tomo and myself um, and the last couple of times Ian and I have paid and it, the last one Ian paid for was a two course meal very expensive all very nice and flash and then it was Tomo's turn where did you take us Tomo went to a lovely place called Mug Dot Cafe which, which is very is nice in Bris centre of Bristol very nice do you know Darren Brown does those psychological tricks on people mm -hmm. and gets them to pick certain things? Well, I did that with Chris and Ian. I said, you've got to try this meal. You've got to try this. It's, it was this chicken dish. It was really, it's really good. I've had it before. Uh, trust me on this. So they had it, really liked it. Little did they know, I used a app called Wriggle, which meant that, yeah, it was £5 a meal. So... <laughs> It was very nice. Was that say. the only meal on there that that you could get with the five pound? It may have been okay. burger, Chris. No, you don't want the burger, mate. You want to have the chicken. Just to, just to say to our listeners, I do pay for rounds when I go out for a drink. I'm not that tight, but yeah. I've so known to, uh, the, the, the hashtag tight ass spelled A W S tight ass Tomo. Um, we've been asking people for their for their finance tips, um, and we've had a, <laughs> we've had a few interesting ones come out. For example, Rebecca Cave, who is at Tax Writer Limited, says she hasn't cut her hair for over a year, <laughs> um, which I think I think that's quite a good tip. Probably better tip if you're female than male, possibly. Um, Della Hudson, um, who we know well at Hudson Accountant, don't have kids. First you pay for food, then you have to buy clothes and shoes to replace the one they've grown out of. I think there's a bit of bitterness in that. That's thing. a bit harsh from Della. <laughs> she got two lovely kids who she adores. So, Tomo, uh, the tight-ass Tomo is going to feature Tomo's tip of the week. What's your tip of the week, Tomo? Well, I mentioned it earlier on. Now, this is just for Bristol, Cardiff and Brighton listeners, but it's, it's looking to go out nationwide. Wriggle. And that's the app that I managed to hoodwink my colleagues. Is that spelt in some cool and trendy way? No, just like Wriggle. Oh, W-R-I-G-G-L-E. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, so, yeah, you go on there and type in your postcode and it lets you know whatever food deals are around. So now we've heard all about uh, Tomo's 
food tips. Tell us a bit more about Neil Bage, Chris. Well, Neil is a very a clever chap who I think is going to re revolutionise how we consider and measure investment risk. He's been doing loads of research for quite a few years now on how we make decisions about money. Traditionally, and you will know this, David, because you've been through it, we assess investment risk with a few questions like, what's your investment risk? <laughs> uh, it's developed a little further than that these days. Uh, it might be, for example, if the market fell by 10%, how would you feel? And you can either get this from your financial advisor or you can get it online with um, a series of questions. These are deeply flawed, Neil thinks, and with his company, Suitable Strategies, he's been looking at it in a completely different way by looking at our behaviours rather than our perceived attitudes. In other words, what we actually do rather than what we think we would do. And the phrase he uses for all of this is financial capability. So let's have a listen to my chat with Neil Bage. Neil, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, how's the weather in your part of the world? Um, it is um, misty and cloudy. I don't know the difference between mist and cloud, by the way, but it's it's one of those two things. It's, a, it's, not, it's, it's not very pleasant leading into the weekend, put it that way. I can see the roof of my neighbour's house just. So, yeah, that's, that's the weather, Chris. <laughs> so, Neil, do you want to just give us a little 30 seconds on how you arrived at uh, suitable strategies and being an expert in areas like risk and financial capability? Yeah, I, I, this is this is born out of many years of me working in the industry and um, spotting and you know, or just just watching the way the industry engages with customers and thinking, do you know what? There's got to be a better way of engaging with people. Full stop. Whether that's to help them plan for their futures, whether that's creating products that they end up buying, um, and, and I. I had a personal experience where, you know, where a, a member of my family was missold to a long time ago, and that had a lasting impact on me because I, I saw the, the fallout from that. And I kind of vowed at that point in my life, you know, if there's anything I can do to prevent that from happening to another person, you know, I don't need to change the world. But if I can help other people or prevent that happening to other people, then then that would be a good mission for me in life. So. I worked for a financial services company, a FTSE 100 company. I was head of strategy and left there and set up a consultancy working with other financial services companies. And through through all of that process, just learning that everybody does things the same way. So I left and set up suitable strategies. And I set up suitable strategies with the mission of helping people understand better their financial capabilities so that they don't... Um, get missold to. And, and and I will add in here, Chris, there's another element to this. It's not just about misselling. It's about people misbuying because, the, you know, people with the greatest intentions will walk blindly into a decision and will end up buying something um, that they think is right, but is it but is clearly ends up being wrong. I think we have a shared experience because I've also got um, not misselling, but but uh, my father went bankrupt because of circumstances out of his control um, in the financial services sector many many years ago. And the phrase that I use, which I think resonated with you and is and is a driver for us both, is not to be a victim in life. That's right. No, that's right. Absolutely. And I think. I mean, there are people out there who will take advantage of people, right? And I think that there, there has been since humans walked the earth for the first time, and and, and there, sadly, there always will be. Um, and what I'm, and you know what, if gosh, if I could wave wave a, a magic wand and get rid of all of them people, all the scammers and the the charlatans, then gosh, I would. It would be one of my first wishes um, granted. But what I'm more interested in is how do we help people like your dad, and how do you help help people like my dad? 
um, and give them or arm them with the information so they can spot things as they as they are happening or about to happen and then put put a strategy in place to prevent that happening and and to be clear what we're talking about here isn't just to prevent things happening to them that are being done by other people but also just by life correct absolutely we tend to have we tend to think we go through our life is just this lovely one long straight road you know we're born we die and you know there might be slight deviations but the reality is there are quite big deviations and distractions along the way and some of those distractions can make us do really stupid things or or things completely outside of our character and then only when we look back on what we've done do we do we kind of think what was i doing what on earth made me do that in the you know and you and you kind you try and reason with your present self but actually it wasn't your present self who made the decision it was your past self and you can't reason with your past self because the decision's done and you haven't got all the information that you had at the time in the present time so you know you 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 try and reason and you can't so it's you're absolutely right chris it's about you know it's it's about spotting those things in life and not letting them take advantage of us and making better decisions and making better decisions all round. So, and so, so there's two parts to that I'd like to explore. Um, one is making better decisions, and one is just making decisions. One of the things that we talk about in the Financial Wellbeing book is having a clear path to identifiable objectives. Okay, that's that's kind of a mantra of the whole thing. And actually, one of the things to get started is just do something. That not making any decisions is part of the problem, is it not? I think there's an argument for not just do, not doing something just for the sake of doing something because that could end up coming back to bite you on the backside as well you know so if i sit there and think you know i've got to do something um I'll, I'll put my money into this investment because at least i'm doing something and then you know you end up losing your money because you you haven't given enough thought if you like um whilst you were making that decision and that could, could come back and haunt you as well i think you should just do something but that needs to be a measured thought out decision you know you need to one of the professors we work with, Professor John Moore, said something to me a long time back. And he said, I questioned him on a phrase he was using. And he kept saying, you know, it's about how people take decisions. And I said to him, isn't it make decisions? Don't we make decisions? And he said, yes, we do. But then once you've made them, you take them. And that's the important thing. You, you know, you, the process of making a decision is really important because that's where you need to t bring into account lots of different factors and elements to make sure in, in the making process. But you still don't need to take that decision once you've made it. You can ignore it and then you can try and make another decision and then take that one instead. So actually, th there's two kind of strands to that. There's the, there's, there's the making of and then there's making sure that you've made a good enough decision that you can take it and put it into action. One of the phrases that, that you use, which I like, Neil, is financial capability. Mm. Um, and uh, are we in that space? Is, is taking the decision all about gaining financial capability? You know, I think so. the phrase financial capability is kind of bandied around a lot. And I think like a lot of things, there's, there's variations on a theme for what it means. Um, I, by the way, Chris, I like a good analogy, um, so, I, so I apologize if I throw an analogy in and it's terrible. I hope your listeners We love a me. good tortured analogy, Neil, don't you worry. <laughs> so I kind of think financial capability, right, is like it's like a good cocktail you know, with lots of ingredients and you know things like our attitudes towards money, um, our motivation for what we want to do and, and, and that we want to do something positive with our lives. 
But for me, there's kind of two fundamental ingredients to said cocktail, and that's knowledge and the ability to apply that knowledge correctly. So if I kind of simplify this, if I need to make a really important financial decision and I don't have the required knowledge, then how do I know that the decision I'm making is the right decision? You know, what, what am I going to use to measure the success of the choice? Because I can't measure success of my choices unless I have the requisite knowledge to benchmark it, if you like. So I need that knowledge and I need to be able to apply that knowledge in, the, in order to make an effective decision. For me, financial capability is kind of just that. How capable are people are making the right decisions at the right time based on sound knowledge? Can you give us uh, an example of application of that knowledge in a, in a, in a really uh, practical financial planning, financial well-being type way? Let's think of the stock market, right? So to give this some context, we carry out annual consumer research um, into financial capability. One of our questions we ask is, do you know what the function of the stock market is? That, that's a subjective question, right? Because I'm only asking for a, a kind of yes or no answer to that. I'm not I'm sure not... I know the answer to that, actually. <laughs> Well, do you know what? Great question. Do I? <laughs> I, 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 t I tend not to ask myself my own questions because I, it would expose far too many weaknesses. Um, so we ask this question, do you know what the function of the stock market is? And then we, we, we say yes. People say yes or no to that question. Then later in the research, we ask the question, what is the function of the stock market? And we put up five multiple choice questions, obviously one of them being correct. And what you find is there's quite a big disparity in what people think they know and what they really do know. Um, so a lot of people think they know the answer, but actually the numbers drop significantly when you actually ask them to prove, prove their knowledge. Now, that's quite a critical question, right? Because a lot of financial services uh, products have a stock, unless it's a cash investment, which is becoming rarer, um, or it's a bank account type product, there'll be an element of stock market investment, whether that's in the bond market or the stock market per se, or the store, you're buying bond funds through the stock market. But the fact is, the stock market is the catalyst for the growth that you are hoping to achieve within your financial plan. Now, when people are then saying, okay, Chris, you want to put your £10,000 into this investment, Here's, a, here's some investment funds I've been talking about, and, and this one invests in UK equities, and this one invests in European equities. And, you know, I, my argument to that is, unless you really understand what has just been said to you, you should do one of two things. You should figure out yourself what that means, because, you know, it's the, it's the kind of the, it's the engine behind what you're trying to achieve. It's, it's going to drive everything. And, the second thing is, if you don't, and this is my biggest tip to anybody who deals with the financial services industry, if you do not understand, tell people, I don't understand. You know, you're not going to look stupid. You know, it, it's, it's relatively complex. And you know what? It's too important to your success, financial success, to not say that question. I've spoken to a lot of people about investments over the years, Neil, and I've come to a very important conclusion. People aren't interested in their own money, in their own investments, they don't actually care. Now, of course, they're able to not care and not be interested because they're using a financial planner that they trust. And yet, they're giving away control of the, perhaps the most important thing in their lives, aren't they? What I would do if I could, again, it's my magic wand thing, is I would rewrite the rule book of financial services. And I would start from scratch and I would make every interaction with a customer engaging. I would make every interaction meaningful. I would make every interaction interesting. And you know what? Dare I say this? I would make it fun. You know, I think we present people with information in such a bland, 
unengaging, meaningless way that after one interaction, that's the benchmark. So people kind of think, oh, God, I've got to go through that again. Oh, no, he's talking about the stock market again. You know, whereas actually, if you engage with people in a way that is, is meaningful, interesting and, and, and fun, then actually, do you know what? They come back and they come back voluntarily. And that's the crucial part. They come back voluntarily. I don't need to force them to come back. So we're looking at um, reaching out to, to people, you know, the people who buy the financial well-being book are by and large wanting to do something, to do yep. something for themselves. Um, so a really good tip then, I think, coming out of this is if you start to engage with your finances, don't start with a fund fact sheet. <laughs> don't start <laughs> with the statement of your pension because it's dull and boring, isn't it? It's 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 you, you want to kind of poke your eyes out. You really do. You know, <laughs> what can people do to increase their financial capability, Neil? You know, I think first off, there's got to be this kind of recognition and willingness to want to improve. But what I would do is I would start really simple. I would not try and learn the complex stuff. I wouldn't try and learn about the stock market and, and what it does. I wouldn't try and learn about passive and active funds or equities and bonds. You know, I would just learn about the behaviors that I have that are driving my financial decisions. So first off, let me learn about me because it's me who needs to learn. It's me who then needs to apply that knowledge. And if I don't understand about me, then I can learn as much as I want. But you know what? If I, if, if I don't retain that information or I don't apply it, then it's a complete waste of effort. So let me figure out who I am first. Am I a procrastinator? Do I put things off? Do I, you know, am I overconfidence and, and overconfidence is a, a really important one because you know most humans in fact if not all humans display an element of overconfidence um again another study asked people to rate themselves on you know how would you rate yourself as a driver from very poor through to very good and of course most people rate themselves as above average and we know that statistically that's not possible so i read a heard a great um, comment a guy called dr daniel crosby on uh, meaningful money podcast one that we, we recommend all our clients have a listen to um, and he said I don't know where he gets this from I, I want to find out the source of this 94% of men think they have above average sense of humour yep. <laughs> is that great yeah I'm, I'm in that 94% of course, but, you know, so are you but, you, know, you know overconfidence is, is interesting because what that does is you people for example may read something and let's just keep let's use the same example what is the stock market People might read something and then think, oh, I understand that. And then a few weeks later, someone says, do you know what the function of the stock market is? And they say, yes, I do. And they get questioned and they they re they relay superficial information because that's all they have. They haven't got any depth to it, really. Um, but they, they've naturally become overconfident in their ability. There's a great bit of research I would suggest people read online. In fact, if you go on YouTube, if your listeners go on YouTube and, um, and type in John Cleese, um, Dunning-Kruger, and that's um, D-U-N-N-I-N-G dash K-R-U-G-E-R. The Dunning-Kruger effect is, is, a, is a behavior that people have whereby th their belief in their skill increases quicker than they are actually getting the knowledge. That's the, that's the simplest way of putting it. So as I learn, my um, self-perceived ability is growing quicker than I'm actually gathering the knowledge in the first place. So I need to come up with a plan that I write down 
you know, and if you have a financial planner, then you work with your financial planner and, and just say, look, these these are the behaviours that I think I exhibit, and therefore we need a plan for for either me to be alerted or for you to tell me. Well, as you say, it's it's then <laughs> taking the action, isn't it? It's, it's that's right. It, it's it's all about it's all about taking the action. It's all about I can learn as much as I want, but it's actually applying it into my financial plan. Is there anything that is going to happen that in my behaviours that I could f- make this come unstuck? And let me let me just tell talk about one in particular. So present bias. Put simply, if I said to you, would you rather have fifty pounds right now, or would you rather have sixty pounds in a week? Now people will who are listening to this will have made a decision almost immediately when I ask that question because we have an inbuilt response to that. Something feels right if it's short term, and and then the the other people are willing to delay their instant gratification for a bigger, longer reward. So now, you're not suggesting we would all take it now. People are different, are they? People are very different. People are very different now. And and, and you, the really interesting thing is, it's got nothing to do with wealth either. So you will find some re- very wealthy people who will just take who, who are very short term thinkers, um, and then you'll find some relatively. Um, less affluent people who are quite long-term thinkers, just their the natural default. So if I'm taking out an investment and I know that I'm a short-term thinker by default, and it's not right or wrong, by the way, you know, if I, and I know I'm a short-term thinker, then taking out an investment solution that allows me access on a daily basis or the ability to just instantly cash in may not be the right solution for me because it's playing to my behavior and that behavior could become destructive if I'm planning for the long term. You know, so it's understanding these behaviors and putting strategies in place that prevent these behaviors from from winning effectively. So, you know, our behaviors will always win. You know, these subconscious behaviors always win. One of the the principle that underlines all of our financial well-being is the idea of know thyself. And I mm. confess, when um, I first kind of put that line in, I was thinking in terms of work out what you want from life, work out what you want for the future. But actually, that's what you're talking about, the present bias and understanding your own behaviours and almost stopping yourself from your bad habits that sabotage your own personal financial planning. That's all know thyself as well, isn't it? It is. But, you know, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you, by the way. But there's there's a... There's a slight issue with people, right? And <laughs> I, I know, slight uh, issue should, with people. That's that's should, a great line. Should, should, should I just end there with a full stop? <laughs> <laughs> or as my American friend would say, there's an issue with people. Period. Right? Um, <laughs> I we have a serious inability to predict our future self and what our future self would do. We we we, we, we can't do it. Right? So I I might have an idea of what I want to do in the future. But it is really clouded and, and hazy, just like the weather here. So I and so I can't really see my future self in any state that I can then use that information to make a decision today. And you know, this know thyself is 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 a really important area. People really should try and, and just understand who they are, what their behaviours are, where those behaviours may derail them, where those behaviours would absolutely help them. You know, and they should really use those behaviors and, and focus on them and put strategies in place to mitigate against those behaviors that could harm them. Um, but, you know, if I, if, I, if I can, I just want to jump back in this, onto this know thyself thing, because I think this is a, a, a conversation, and maybe for another day, but it's about planning generally. Because, you know, what I, you know that old adage of when people make a, a New Year's resolution, you know, several weeks later, they're not doing it anymore. 
and we're not very good at this at planning or predicting what we want in the future there's a great 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 bit of research by two guys two psychologists called um, dan gilbert and tim wilson and they talk about this this thing called miswanting and it's about how people make mistakes on how much they would like something in the future so people say oh when i when i'm 50 i want this and then when they get there they think oh actually i didn't, don't really want this at all so in the present i think in the future if this happens this is what i would want but when that time arrives we look we we think actually that's not what i want at all so it goes back to the thing about looking back on yourself and you make decisions today and when you look back on them in the future you're not in the same place so you know that in, in hindsight comment so neil i think what what can we take from this what can people take away from this know thyself um understand your behaviors um appreciate the behaviors um now let me rephrase that understand that beliefs are not necessarily truths yes. and that your behaviors are both good for you and perhaps sometimes not so good for you work out which what else Correct. would you add to that um i mean that's a, that's a really great summary chris i don't i i, I think I don't think I would add to it, and I'm not avoiding the question. I think that's a great that that's a great first some great first steps for people to to take. You know that that know thyself is really important because ultimately it's you who is making the decisions that affect you. So you know, and so don't fob that off to somebody else. Don't let somebody else take control of that part of your life. It's really crucial that you control that part of your life. But in order to do it, make sure you absolutely know who you are, the behaviours that you have, and put them into good practice. Fantastic. Neil, thank you ever so much for joining us today. You are very welcome. Thank you. Fascinating stuff there, Chris. You and Neil seem to get on like a house on fire. Yeah, he's my new best friend. Oh, what about me? I'm hurt now. You were the old best friend. Oh, well, I In know many I'm ways. <laughs> uh, no, really, lots of lots of stuff that came out of that one. I like the notion of the, uh, would you take the £50 now or £60 next week? Straight away, I thought, oh, £60 next week. Likewise, yeah. And then he developed on that because... He then went on to say that actually if you set yourself goals too far ahead, by the time you reach them and you look back, you realise that the things that you thought you wanted then, you didn't want anymore. Um, it's actually one of the tips we give in the book is if you want something, before you go and buy, especially if it's a bit of a luxury, before you buy it, just wait two weeks. So we do make these emotional decisions about very important stuff. And certainly from my perspective, and, and again, he said, look, if you don't know about something... Always ask. Admit it. Yeah. Admit it, because I don't know. Now, I've had many conversations with you about this. You know, I don't understand the money market. I'm getting to understand it a bit better through the medium of these podcasts. But, but as much as you need to know. Exactly. I don't think anybody needs to become an expert. But, um, I, but I also love his line, people think they know more than they actually do know. Mm. And if we are aware of that, that helps us to make a better decision. Admit what you don't know. Admit to yourself, actually, maybe I'm not quite as good as this as I think I am. Uh, and you're going to end up making better decisions. And decide through your own sense of perception and understanding of other people who you trust to make those decisions for you. Absolutely. And that, I think, is key. And at the expense of giving Ovation Finance a bit of free publicity, <laughs> from the first time that you and I sat down and talked about money... I kind of got it. I'm not sure what it was that I got. I didn't understand the complexities of it. But I thought, oh, yes, this man is communicating to me in a way that I understand. And I trust him with my money. So that brings to the last point that, that Neil made, which I really liked, 
which was uh, a message to the financial services industry. Um, make the communication, make the interaction fun. And I think that's a brilliant suggestion. And if I may be honest, I think that's what we're trying to do with these podcasts. It's trying to talk to people about finance in a fun way that makes it engaging and relates to their lives. Um, whenever we send a, a financial advisor has to send out a recommendation for a product, we have to send out a fact sheet which is 10, 20, 30 pages long of small print. No one wants to read that. I never do. No, but nobody you, does. You always send it to me, and I appreciate the fact that you send it to me, and I never read it. Because <laughs> I go, well, Chris wouldn't be recommending this. It'd be interesting to hear from anybody, if there's anybody out there listening to this, that reads the terms and conditions oh, yes. before they sign them. Yes. Does anybody? If they, if you do, please let us know. At Wellbeing. Send us a tweet. Do you read the terms and conditions? And if you do, could you turn it into a comic book so I could read it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we've exhausted that subject pretty well. Uh, it's been, a, again, a fascinating listen that. So thanks very much, Chris, for giving up your time to chat to Neil. Thank you, Neil, wherever you are, for your very interesting stuff. Thanks, producer Tomo, for once yes, again please. sharing his time and expertise with us. Thank you, Chris, for being Chris. My name's David Lloyd. I think that's all for us on today's Financial Wellbeing Podcast. See you next time. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is Ovation Chris, and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think. Money, so they say, is the root of all evil today. But if you ask for a rise, it's no surprise they're giving none away. <laughs>